How many of you guys are ready to get into the Word? Come on. We're excited about the Word here at Radiate. Hey, if you want to go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, you can do that. I'm excited to jump into the Word today. I love when we do special days like this at Radiate, when we have different people come in and we do like Faith in Blue and just things like that. I love that kind of stuff, and it's a blast. So make sure uh, any of the officers that are left over at the end of the service, make sure you just go tell them how much you appreciate them and love on them a little bit today. Hey, so we've been in this series called Crazy Good, and uh, I just believe, the whole part of this series, I just believe that living a life for God should be good, and sometimes it's crazy, but I just think it should be crazy good. I think it should be amazing, and I think the Bible and the Word of God isn't just mystical, there isn't just spiritual disciplines, but there's practical applications to it as well. And, and, and that's kind of what this series is about. What is the practical applications uh, in some areas of the Bible? And there's surely so many more uh, than what we're going to preach about over this series. Um, but today, I wanted to do a series, I wanted to do a sermon, excuse me, a message on parenting. Crazy, good parenting. How many of you guys out there, whether your parents now or will be in the future, could use some help in the parenting department? You know what I'm saying. Yes, praise God. For those of you that are parents that didn't raise your hand, I need you to talk to me afterwards because I need every tip and trick that you have. Like, I know, and I didn't, when we were planning this message, I did not realize, I didn't pay attention to my calendar, that I was going to be coming back from eight days at Disney with three kids the entire time. We didn't lose any of them, praise God. Three kids at Disney the entire time. Y'all, that is, if you're planning to do that, um, my suggestions don't. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's amazing. It was, it was a fun time. It was um, faith building, praise God. Um, no, it was amazing. I didn't realize that. And so I get up today, and I'm going to be real honest, I feel very unprepared I feel very unworthy of speaking this message today, but there are some practical applications in this that we need to talk to. And as I was, I'm a very simple guy. I like to think through analogies and illustrations and things like that. So here's what I know. Wherever you are on the parenting scale, whether you have kids, whether you will have kids, um, whether you want to have kids, or whether you, uh, you know, you're a spiritual mom, a spiritual dad, a grandma, a granddad, it doesn't matter. We can all grab something from this message. There's always something we can grab as far as spiritual application to, to this message. And so as I was thinking about what can we do uh, to really illustrate what this looks like, let me give you this thought today. Um, I, I got these flowers up here. Do we have any green thumbs in the house? Anybody enjoy uh, like, like gardening and you're good at that stuff, all that, right? Okay, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not good at it. I've talked to you about it before. I'm not good at that stuff at all. And the reality is, is that we, um, we, me and my wife, when we go to get flowers or we go to get plants or we go to get something like that, what we do is we literally ask God, hey, can you, or not ask God, we ask the people, can you give us the easiest plant absolutely possible? I, I do. I kill every plant. I'm not good at plants. And so what happens is we go and we get these plants and y'all, if it lives a week or two, we're, we're blessed. Like, we're just lucky. You know what I'm saying? We have a hanging, my wife, I go to Home Depot, and she'll call me. And she'll go, pick up, pick up a hanging plant. And I'm like, okay, babe, yes, hanging plant. $14, flush down the toilet because it's going to die in two weeks. But it's going to look great until it's dead. You know what I'm saying? 
It happens every time. But praise God, by the miracles of God, I have one that's been sitting in our front step for six weeks, y'all. Six weeks. Come on, somebody. And it is doing extremely well. And here's the truth. Watch this. So somebody gifted us this plant not too long ago. I love this plant. This is my favorite plant I've ever gotten. The reality is this plant's called a powder room plant. I don't have a powder room. I'm not that bougie. I'm going to be quite honest. I don't even know what a powder room is. But we have a powder room plant. Here's why I love this plant, though. Let me read you the instructions of this powder room plant, right? The powder room plant says this. Display in medium to low light. Okay, we got that. Here's why we got that. My wife loves one lamp to be on in the entire house. And that's going to be in the living room. I'll turn on the light and it's like, ah! She freaks out. Like, it just doesn't work. And I'm like, I can't even see to pick up my socks. So medium to low light, we got that, right? We got that under control. We don't even do real light. Like, we don't even put this thing next to a window. It is literally sitting next to my stove. I picked it up from next to my stove. Y'all are like, you're going to kill a plant. I've already told you that. It's not a mystery. Medium to low light, got it. Slowly, this is what I love. And slowly pour approximately, we can approximate, I'm good at approximating, approximately one ounce of water at the base of the plant one time per month. Y'all only got to water this thing once a month. Once every four weeks, it's like one ounce of water, and this plant's like, I'm good. This is my kind of plant. This is a godsend plant for me. We can't kill this plant. We would have to literally not water it for like three or four months to kill this plant which may actually happen. But for now, it's an amazing plant. It's easy. It's easy. But then we got a mum because it's fall. And for some reason, mums are deemed fall plants. I don't know. They just bloom around this time. As you can tell, we've done really well with this mum that is currently dead and crispy, right? Because we went to Disney for eight days, and we don't have a green thumb. And I can't just leave the mom without watering it for a month. In fact, you have to water the mom like every other day. This thing's so needy. It even needs to be in the, in the sunlight. Can't be under a light bulb. I just give me a light bulb. Let me shine the light bulb on you. Be good with that. Why can't you be? I'm good with that. Why can't you be good with that? This thing needs to be in the sun. It needs to have water all the time. It's so needy. And I was thinking about it like, I have three kids. I don't know how many kids you have. I don't know like what your life looks like or anything like that. I have three kids. My life is chaotic. I have a 10-year-old. I have a 10-year-old son. He's amazing. He's incredible. I have an 8-year-old girl. She's uh, so loving and caring. And I have a 3-year-old son that is crazy. He's absolutely crazy. But here's what I know. Just like these plants are different, my kids are different. My 10-year-old is very emotional. He feels things. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you say something to him with the wrong tone, he's going to, he doesn't just like, he doesn't just like hear it. He, it's like a dagger to him. Like, he'll ask me something. I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, well, why, are you, why are you being so mean? I just said, I don't know. I'm sorry. I said it in the wrong tone. Like, he's, he's emotional like that. That's okay. My daughter is so sympathetic and so caring. She'll give you the shirt off her back. Like, if I tell my three-year-old, no, you can't have that, and she's got it, she will sneak around the corner and give it to him. And she just, she, that's how she is. She loves, she's so caring, she's so loving, all that stuff, right? Then, I, my three-year-old is just, whoo, 
He's just out there. He's just crazy. My three-year-old is going to destroy everything in his path, right? He's going to run around everywhere, but he's so full of life. And he's so, like, everything is amazing. Like, we walked up, and, 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 and here's the thing. Like, my three-year-old thinks that everything in our house is his. Does anybody else deal with that? It doesn't matter. Like, that, my car is his, you know? We bought them each a, a, a toy from Disney last week. They're all his. Like, he doesn't have one. That he has theirs, too. And it's like this. And so, but he gets enamored by the, the easiest of things. He'll be like, oh, there's a chair. So yeah, every week it's the same chair. It's there. That's my son, right? But watch this. I can't parent my three-year-old the same way I parent my 10-year-old. Some kids, what we have to understand is some kids need more nurturing. They need more water. They need more sunlight. They need to be treated a little different. And we have to learn what that looks like and what that feels like. Some, you can water. Don't go feed them once a month. But some, like, you don't have to give as much attention to. And they, they're dependent. Some are more uh, uh, um, independent. Some are more dependent on you. And here's the thing. With parenting, you got to understand this. Parenting's tough. I'm going to set some of you free today. The reality is being a parent, being a grandparent, being an aunt, being an uncle, all that stuff is tough. It's difficult. It's okay. None. Of, I'm a parent to three kids. I've been a parent for 10 years, and I still don't know what I'm doing. Are there any seasoned parents that would agree with that? You don't know what you're doing. You just try. You just go, I'm going to do this the best that I can and hope that it works out. So what does it look like to biblically parent? It's this. Biblical parenting is gradually transfer their dependence from us to their dependence on God. Biblical parenting. Now, this is something we all need to grasp hold of. is to gradually transfer their dependence from us to God. That's why God also says when you get married, you leave your mother and father and you cleave to your spouse. Why? You can't be dependent just on mom and dad. It actually ruins everything. Well, the same is true with kids. We have to gradually, we have about 18 years. In this world, we have about 18 years with our kids to learn how to transfer their dependence from us to God. Because if we can't transfer their dependence from us, we are their God. And that's not... That's not what any of us want. Because we can't do what God can do for their lives. We don't even know what God has for their life. But we have to do our best to transfer that dependence. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 2 teaches us this. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it. Watch this. Let me stop for a second. Spiritual principle. Watch this. It says that you may do them in the land where you are going over to possess it. Here's what the teacher is actually teaching us. Listen, I know you're going to be obedient leading up to the promise because you need to show God obedience so that you get to the promise and what he's promised you and what he's given you. So you're going to be like on your P's and Q's and you're going to know that you're, you know, you're going to go to church more. You're going to give more. You're going to do this more like until you get to the promise. And then when you get to the promise, watch this. Obedience is sometimes tested whenever we've already achieved the promise, when we already have grasped the promise. He goes, listen, your love and your obedience to God is found by what you do when you're in the promise, when you're standing in what he's already given you. So he says, he keeps going, he says, so that, so you do that so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God 
to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I have commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. I love the way the writer puts this. He says, so that you, generation one, your sons, generation two, and your grandsons, generation three, can live a life of fear to the Lord. Not of fear of who he is, but of fear of not pleasing the one that we love. Of not living for the one that we love. He says, the way that you live out your life for God carries generation after generation after generation after generation. I have a feeling that the writer would actually teach us in this moment the same thing. He would keep listing in their sons, in their sons, and their grandsons, and their sons, because he'd keep going through generations. I just want you to hear me when I say that dependence on God, watch this, is death to ourselves. Dependence on God is death to ourselves. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament writes it like this. He says it like this. He says, I die to myself daily. In other words, every morning I wake up, I say, anything that's of me, anything that I want that is not of God, I die to that. I don't want that. I crucify that on the cross. I only want what God wants. I only, I take, and all of us have fleshly desires, right? All of us. Everybody wants to cuss somebody out sometimes. Oh, y'all holy. Oh, y'all like that. Okay. Everybody wants to karate chop somebody every now and then, right? Okay, y'all holy with that one too. I even brought it down a notch and y'all still holy. Maybe it's just me. See, the reality is, is like we all have fleshly desires sometimes we all want to react in ways that aren't right and that God wouldn't be very pleased of watch this but the reality is is that when we die to ourselves we crucify our flesh and we ask God to take front seat and us to take second us to take the back seat and so dependence on God is death to myself every single day and I got two points two points on how we can do this today two thoughts on how we can do this the first one is this love God. Love God, right? Like, of course you'd say that. You're, you're the pastor. Like, of course, that's what's going to happen. Love God. Well, let's read verses 4 through 5. Deuteronomy, not Genesis. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is one you've heard. Maybe you didn't read in the Old Testament, but you've heard it in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Watch this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You know why I love part of Jesus' teaching in the New Testament is because it's often an echo of teachings of the Old Testament. It's often him teaching things. In fact, he came and he said this. He said, I didn't come to abolish what was being taught. I came to fulfill it. In other words, I didn't come to say that none of the Old Testament is worth anything. I just came to be everything that you couldn't be from the Old Testament, and I put it on the cross. Every burden that you couldn't pay, I became that. He said, I, came, I didn't come to abolish. I came to fulfill. I came to become. I came to be that. And so he's teaching this. He says, love the Lord your God with everything you have. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 is where Jesus teaches that again. But isn't it hard to love something you have no relationship with? Isn't it hard to love somebody you have no relationship with? You know, love comes from a dedication or a, a, a relationship, a commitment to knowing someone or something. Relationship is there, in fact, the word love in that scripture where it says, love the Lord your God, is actually that this, this word is called alhab, alhab, and it means this, it means uh, a humanly love or a relationship love. I love that. 
humanly love or a relationship love. Watch this. God is not interested in just doing things for him. He's interested in a relationship with him. So we go to church not to become, not, not, not to fall in love with God. We come to church because we love God. We serve others not to know, not to love God, but because we love God. Do you see the difference? See, I take my wife on date nights not be, to love her, but because I love her. I do the same thing with my kids. I spend time with them, not to love them, but because I love them. We have to learn to spend time with God, spend time. And our kids need to see that. They need to see us read the Bible. They need to see us pray. They need to see us worship. They need to see us love others when it's difficult. They need to see us figure out how to handle a boss that treats us wrong. They need to see us learn how to honor people when it's hard to honor people. They need to see us treat others with grace and dignity and care and biblical mandate. They need to see us declare God's promises in difficult times. They need to see those things. Because watch this, more is caught than is taught. We can tell something all day long. Like, I know for me, even now, you can tell me something all day long, and I want you to tell me, but the reality is if you can show me, I'm going to catch it about 5,000 times faster than you telling me. I'm just visual. Most people catch more than they're taught. They caught, they're, it's, it's more caught than taught. And we have to learn to show them. Let me, let me, let me explain something. I'm going to share some statistics with you. But I believe that the local church, a commitment, a consistent commitment to the local church is a consistent commitment to the vision and the mission of the kingdom in that city. I believe it is a, a commitment to the mission of reaching people in that area code, that zip code, that city, whatever it is. I believe that with everything I have. I believe that it, nowhere in the Bible does it ever teach us that we should not be a part of a body of believers. It's not in the Bible. Just telling you, it's not there. We should all, in fact, it says forsake not the gathering of the brothers. We should be in a gathering, a committed body of believers together. That's what makes the body. We all have a part. We all have a part to play. And watch this. So I believe being consistently committed to the mission of, the, of God is a way that we love God. Let me, let me show you some statistics uh, about kids. And when they grow up to be adults, they love God and are committed to the local church. Here's some statistics for you. When mom and dad both attend church on a consistent basis, when mom and dad both attend church on a consistent basis, and the kids see the value in that, and they see mom and dad love God, 72% of the time the kids will grow up and commit their lives to Jesus and commit their lives to the mission of that city through the local church. 72% of the time, right? Here's the other side. If only dad attends church, it drops to 55% of the time. It's okay, though. Like, that's still not too bad. 55% of the time, if only dad, mom stays home, dad brings the kids. 55% of the time, the kids will grow up, give their lives to Jesus, and be committed to the church. Now, watch this. When only mom comes, 15% of the kids grow up, commit their lives to Jesus and the local church. 15%. It drops 40%. Can I just stop right there and say something? Dads, men, we have a role to play in this thing. We're here not just to steward our call for what God's called us to do, but we have a, a, we have a role to play to steward their call. 
and to love them closer to the cross and love them closer to Jesus and help them become everything that God's put in them to be and help them bloom the way that they're supposed to. Guys, in, in fact, statistically, take spirituality out of it. Statistically, across communities, crime rate and morality, morality drops, crime rate goes up when the men are not uh, present in the home. Happens all across the nation. We have a role to play in this thing, and we need to take it. But there's a lot of moms that are single moms, and that's okay. Because you get to fill both shoes now. You get to love Jesus in, in, in both shoes. You get to teach them what it looks like. And it's okay. I know you're, some of you are like, I'm freaking out. My, my husband won't come. That's all right. You do the best you can with what you got. That's called excellence. And then watch this. If neither mom nor dad come, 6% of the time. Kids will grow up and give their lives to Jesus and commit to the church. Single digits. And in, in today's society, those numbers are actually just going down. They're not going up anymore. The days of build it and they will come are going, going away. We have to invite. We have to bring. And see, here's the reality. Watch this. Our kids need to see us love God. What does it look like to read your Bible? What does it look like to love people? What does it look like to worship? What does it look like to pray? What does it look like to believe in the local church? What does it look like to serve? What does it look like to love God? So that's point number one. Point number two is this. We have to actually lead our family. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Is this helping anybody? Are you guys good? You're taking notes. I know it's a little quiet, but I know you're taking notes. Verses 6 through 9 of Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You, you should teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You should write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Some of that is cultural like symbolism and things like that. But here's what essentially the writer is teaching us. The writer is essentially teaching us don't ever let a moment go by where God's not in the conversation. Never let a moment go by where God's not in the conversation. Your kid's getting bullied at school? Let's figure that out and invite God into the conversation. Your boss isn't treating you well? Let, God, let your kids see how you invite God into that conversation. Things are happening in home, at home that you don't like and you're trying to shift some things and change. Let them see what it looks like to bring God into that conversation. Always, always, always bring God into the conversation. Let them see you and see me and see us work, flesh out the spiritual things that we, we talk about. Let them see what it looks like to live that out. Let them see what it looks like to really pray when you don't know the answer. Let them see what it really looks like to search for the answers when you don't know what to do. Let them see those things. Let them see what it looks like. Um, Edward, the Duke of Windsor, made this statement. It was a gut punch statement for me. He made this statement about uh, America. He says, the thing that impresses me the most about America is the way that parents obey their children. And you know, like, I heard that and I laughed and, like, I thought it was funny. And then I got to thinking about it. I was like, Wow. We kind of we kind of do like just obey our kids. Watch this. Proverbs teaches us that where there is no vision, the people perish. Or another version, I love this version, says it like this: There is no restraint. 
In other words, they do what it, people do whatever they want to do with no vision. Because vision puts parameters around life that keeps us safe. And keeps us going in the same direction at the same time. And, and, and what if we actually led our families? And I'm not talking about like lead our families with bossiness and like telling people what to do and orders and dictations and stuff. What if we really led our, vision, our, our families with vision? This is how we're going to live in this house. Like in my house, one of our values is teamwork. We always do everything together. Like we're, we're in this together. If one person hurts, we're going to try to figure out how to help them. We, we, it's teamwork. We, we, one of our values is fun. We want to have fun. We want to be a fun family. Another value is honor. We want to honor people. We want to love people well. Like what does it look like to have vision, to be able to look at your kids and go, we don't do just whatever we want. We do what God wants. Our dependence is on Him, not on us. Our dependence is for Him, not for us. There's some things that I think that, for me, we can do, I can do better, but we should all train our kids on. Here's a few of them. I'll, I'll put these out this week on my social media. It's this. To manage God's money. Let's teach our kids how to manage God's money. Proverbs chapter 3. Let's teach our kids to carefully select their friends, that they should know that not everybody has their best interest in mind. Proverbs 13. Teach them, let's train them and teach them how to watch their words. Words matter. You know, we just talked about that, that words create a future that we have to live in. Proverbs chapter 4. Teach them how to be responsible. Proverbs chapter 6. Watch this. Teach them how to guard their minds. Proverbs chapter 23. How to be generous. Proverbs chapter 11. And how to fear God. Proverbs chapter 1. That's just a few. Do you know how we teach that? You have to show it. You have to lead them in that direction. You have to take them where God's uh, 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 promised us. What vision do we have? I want to give you a, a thought that it's taken me a long time to really grasp. And honestly, it's probably been over the past few years that I've really grasped it. And it's this. It's okay if your kids know that you're not perfect. It's okay. Just make sure you always point them to the one that is. I have this perfection mentality. Like, I want everything to be just right. I got this moment. Like, I'm going to be real honest. You know, it is. There, there's, there's this thing, like, every Sunday morning I look down this middle aisle, and if the rows are off at all, that's all I pay attention to the entire sermon. Y'all think that I'm up here praying while I'm preaching. I'm looking at this and going, nope, that row needs to be scooted over, and this row needs to come. This drives me nuts. If this, it, there's a reason that this table sits in the same spot every week, because if it's not in the direct middle of that aisle, I can't handle it. I, and you'll watch me. Some Sundays, I'll scoot it. That's why. Just gave you a glimpse into the craziness of my brain. Now let me scoot it back because it was in the middle. Right? <laughs> you know, and I had to learn that it's okay if my kids know that I've messed up. Sometimes our kids need to hear us apologize to them. Sometimes our kids need to hear us apologize to their mom or dad. And I know, like, there's single families and there's broken families and all this, but that doesn't mean that our kids need to see what it looks like to be rude to each other. Let's co-parent. Let's do this thing together. I've seen that happen well in this church. Sometimes we need to apologize to each other. Sometimes my kids need to know that I had a bad day when they weren't even around and I snapped on somebody that I shouldn't have and that I'm really sorry about that and I shouldn't have. I'm not saying like air everything, but I think there's something to be said whenever we can be transparent. 
There's been multiple times I've lost it and snapped and yelled at my kids. Yes, your preacher yells sometimes. Yelled at my kids or my Megan or something like it's just a moment. You know what I'm talking about? It just happens. And a few minutes later, I'll go back, sit them down. I'm like, you know what? Daddy shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Here's what what I need to do different. You know, and it's not like I'm sorry you took it that way. It's a legit apology. And it's hard. But it's okay. Let's just parent them and, and teach them what it looks like and to love God and lead lead our family. Let me give you a bonus. Quick bonus. I'm going to hit this one quick. Take out your trash. And I'm not talking about like empty your trash can when you get home. Maybe you need to. I don't know. I'm talking about take out your trash. Because Romans chapter 5 verse 18 teaches us that through our first parents, Adam and Eve, sin entered the world and it was something we were going to have to live with. But Romans chapter 5 verse 19 teaches us that through the obedience of Jesus living his life and dying on that cross that now redemption and salvation becomes a part of our reality and our opportunity. Watch this. Some of us are still dealing with things that was in. Listen, let me put it this way. The addiction you're dealing with may not have started with you, but it can end with you. The pornography you deal with and the lust problem you deal with may not have started with you, but it can end with you. The issues and the mentalities that you deal with may not have started with you, but it can end with you because just like generational blessings can happen, so can generational curses. And I'm just here to tell you, we do not have to let our kids carry on the bad things that we will not deal with. Take out your trash. Deal with it now so that your, your, your problem doesn't have to be their future. Deal with it today. Let God take care of that today. Let them see you fight your struggle rather than give in to it. Anxiety doesn't have to be their problem because it's yours. Depression doesn't have to be their problem because it's yours. I know I know what science says, but it doesn't. I'm telling you, there's a spiritual break that can take place. We can break those things. And I love it when that begins to happen because Proverbs actually teaches us the kids, it says this, children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. What do arrows do? They make an impact everywhere you go. Wherever they land, they, they, they make a mark. You know where an arrow's been because it moves the ground or it puts a hole or it does something. But an arrow can only go where the shooter points it. And more fascinating than kids being called an arrow that's going to make an impact is the fact that parents are called warriors. Let me give you some encouragement today. You're called a warrior. Not because you're carrying an arrow. You're called a warrior because warriors fight. Warriors fight for their kids. Warriors fight for that next generation. Warriors do things today that generations later will reap the rewards of. Warriors don't quit. They may die in battle, but they don't quit ahead of battle. Warriors keep pushing. Warriors keep fighting. When it's tired, they go. When there's sweat dripping off their nose, they keep walking. Warriors learn how to use their weapons, their arrows. They learn where to put them and how far to pull, uh, uh, pull it back. Warriors keep going no matter how hard it gets. Warriors listen to their commanding officer. Warriors never stop. Warriors never end. Warriors keep fighting for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. You're a warrior, mom. You're a warrior, dad. You're a warrior, grandma. You're a warrior, 
grandpa, aunt and uncle, your warriors. You get to steward this next generation to be everything that God's called them to be. We don't have to wait. We don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder. We get to trust. We get to trust God. We get to be the warrior that doesn't stop, that doesn't end, that doesn't quit. But we will fight to see the kingdom of God expanded all over the universe through this next generation. And I believe, I believe this is why Ready 8 Kids will always be a top priority for Ready 8 Church. It has been for nine and a half years and it will always be. Is that the next generation will change the world. And the generation after them will change the world. But we don't want to change the world for the sake of changing the world. We want to change the world for the kingdom of God. And is the hope and the mission of the local church, this local church, to reach every generation and equip and empower as many people as absolutely possible to live the life God intends for them. And so what I'd love to do today, because I know there's parents in the room, I know there's people at different stages, here's the truth, I'd just love to pray over everybody. Not just moms, not just dads, grandparents, grand, uh, uh, aunts and uncles, whatever. I just want to pray over everybody because all of us have a role to play in impacting the next generation. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm going to pray over you and give you two quick things and we're going to head out of here. Father, we love you, we worship you, we give you everything we have. God, I pray that you'd move, move in our lives. Change what needs to be changed. Cleanse what needs to be cleansed. God, I pray that you would just help us to depend solely, completely, and wholly on you. God, as we impact and embrace and lean into the next generation, would we be people of change, of impact? God, there's people in here today that feel like quitting. Remind us that we're warriors. We don't quit. We keep fighting, and we keep moving. God, we honor you, and I thank you for what you're doing in this place, in this church, in this county, in this area code, in these homes. I pray that your spirit rests in our homes today. And God, that it would be a place of peace and connection with you. We love you and we honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Two quick things for you. Number one, make sure you grab some invite cards on your way out. Invite some people to be a part of what God's doing here. Let's pack this house out. Uh, continue packing this house out. And number two, I want to invite you to be a part of something called You Matter Week. If you're new here, You Matter Week is something we have done for nine and a half years. We take seven days and we have projects, community service projects, all week long. We'd love for you to be a part of that. We try to see how many hours and how many people we can impact within just a seven-day span. Uh, we want you to be a part of that. Here's all you need to do is text the word WEEK to 803-205-2487 before you leave today. We got uh, projects dropping this week. We want to make sure that you know about those. So text that word on your way out so we can be a part of You Matter Week 2021. I love you guys. Let's go change the world. See you next Sunday.